The title of this message is, and it might be a little provocative, but the title of this message is You're a Slave. You're a slave to who you follow. And there's only two types of people in this world. And we're going to look at Romans 6 in just a minute where Paul lays it out for us, what that looks like. But let me just say this. The pharmaceutical companies want to enslave you into addiction. Fast food companies want to enslave you into obesity. The banks and the credit card companies, they want to enslave you into debt. Right? The media and the internet, they want to enslave you into content, consumerism, and pornography. We're all a slave to what we choose to follow and what we obey. Right now, we're going to look at Romans 6, 15, 23. If you want to, um, if, I'll give you a brief summary, but if you really want a great breakdown, go to uh, the deep end podcast with Pastor Tim Hatch. He's been going through this book right here. So a lovely plug right there just because it's been a great Bible study that I've been following. I believe he's on chapter eight right now, so he has covered some of this. But a quick summary of Romans. Paul the apostle is writing to a divided church in the city of Rome, right? They're divided over what is it better to be Jew or Gentile? Is it better to be circumcised or not circumcised? Is it better to receive the law and follow the law of the Torah or to follow the grace of Jesus Christ? And Paul addresses all these things. And that brings us to Romans 6, 15. Would you stand with me? We're going to read the word of God. Second. So Paul writes, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one in whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you were once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, But what fruit were you getting at that time? For these things of which you are now ashamed, for the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father God, I thank you for all the people that you brought in here today and that are watching online wherever and however they're watching, Lord. I pray for hearts to be open, for eyes to be open, for ears to be open to receive what you want to say. I pray that you take out of my mouth anything that isn't from you and add to my mouth anything that you want your people to hear. I pray for conviction of the heart, Lord, and we thank you for Jesus Christ. And it's in his mighty name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the world's divided. We know that. It's been divided since the beginning of time. 
But I'm not talking about Republican or Democrat. I'm not talking about pro-mask, anti-mask. I'm not talking about pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine or communist or libertarian or pro-gun or anti-gun or any of those things, right? I believe those are actually red herons that are put in front of us to divide us from the actual truth. God tells us there's two types of people in this whole world. You are either a child of God or you're a child of this world. You're either enslaved to sin and subject to what it has for you as your master or you're slave to righteousness and God and subject to the rewards that he has for you. Paul used the word slave here purposefully. He's talking to Romans. Look, we all have our feelings about the term slave here in America, but the Romans actually knew what that looked like. It said when Paul wrote this letter that the city of Rome, there was about one third of the population that was enslaved. Either they had signed their lives over to someone so that they could receive um, money and food and work under them, or more likely there were a conquered people that had no choice. So Paul uses this word on, on purpose to be provocative and to let them know who they follow is what they're going to be subject to. It's actually found 127 times in 119 verses in the New Testament. So it's a reason that it's there. But in Romans 16, we find out that we're, we're told that we're slaves to the one we obey, right? Either slaves to obedience or slaves to sin. You're either a slave to righteousness or a slave to sin, a slave to death or a slave to destruction, slave to life and hope, slave to selfishness or a slave to love. Look, we all, have, we all know what it's like to follow something, maybe not be a sa uh, slave to something, but to follow it. You've had a boss, a teacher, uh, a mother, a father, a wife, husband. Don't kill me, honey. All right, so I'm gonna look at what it, what it means to be a slave today to sin and what it means to be a slave to righteousness. So write this down if you're taking notes. First thing, who and what you follow will have control over all aspects of your life. Who and what you follow will have control over all aspects of your life. So what does it look like to follow sin? Because if you call yourself a child of God, as I do, you were once not a child of God. You were once following the ways of this world. You were once stuck in sin. A slave to sin leads to emotional death. Emotional death. Write that down. What do I mean by that? Well, I knew, I remember what it was like when I was walking in this world for so many years. I remember uh, being a liar, being a thief, being sexually immoral. I know what that felt like. And no matter how many times I did those things, if it was partying, drugs, alcohol, all those things that I used to do that God, thank God, took away, but I would get anxiety from them. It never felt like it was enough. It would never fill me up. As soon as I was finished with one of those sins, I wanted to go do it again. Why? It will crush you. It will fill you with anxiety. It will never satisfy you. If you follow sin, it will lead to emotional death. Romans 6.20 says it like this. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard of righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from these things of which you're now ashamed? Christian, when you fall back into these sins, when you do things that you know aren't good for you, aren't right, you're filled with anxiety. You're filled with emotional death. And Paul says you're ashamed of them, so why do you do them? Point B, a slave of sin leads to mortal death. 
We all died because of Adam, right? We all died because Adam sinned. God's plan wasn't for that. God's plan was to live in community with us for eternity. We were never supposed to die, but we all do die because of the wages of sin. Is that who you want to be your master? Is that who you want to follow? Romans 6, 16 says it like this. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? You have a choice today to decide who and what you want to obey. All right, point C. A slave of sin leads to spiritual death. Write that down. Spiritual death. This is the scariest one of them all. We're all going to die. Every single one of us, slaves of sin and slaves of righteousness, will die mortally. But the good news is there is a judgment day. Jesus says he will separate the whole entire world on judgment day. There's going to be the goats and there's going to be the sheep. Kind of funny today how if you think about it, goats is actually a popular term, right? It's funny how the world just flips things up, but goat is either greatest of all time or it reminds me of all those funny TikTok YouTube videos with fun goats, like goats are a good thing. But if you're a sheep, then you're, you're following somebody, you're a sheeple, you're not a good thing. But no, no, Jesus says his people are the ones that know his voice. His people are the ones that follow him. His people are the sheep of this world and he will separate them and judge them and he will separate the goats and judge them. The good news is for the sheep, now the goats, they're gonna be judged because they haven't decided to follow Jesus. They're gonna be judged because they re rejected him. And that is forever, eternity, hell. That is separation from God. God's gonna give them what he wants because they rejected Jesus. So he's gonna give them that and he's gonna cast them out. But if you are a sheep, if you are a child of God, he's gonna judge the good things that you've done and you're gonna receive rewards from them. And you're promised an eternity in heaven. You're promised a mansion and a crown of glory and a new body. These are good things that God has given us. John 12, 48 says, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Decide who you want to follow. You either want to follow this world, follow the passions and desires of your heart, or you want to follow the God that created you that wants a personal relationship with you. Only through Christ can we have freedom from sin and live a life worthy of standing in his righteousness. Only by accepting Jesus Christ can we avoid this spiritual death. So what does it look like to walk in righteousness? What does it look like when we accept Jesus, when we believe that Jesus died for our sins? We receive him, we walk with him. What should that look like in your life? Well, it reminds me of a quote that I read years ago by Billy Graham that said, the closer you are to God, the more you realize you're a sinner. Now, that hit home really hard for me the other day. Actually, two weeks ago, I was late for work, and I was driving. And how many times, you know, when you're late for something, there's either traffic or there's slow people on the road or there's an accident. So I'm getting on the on-ramp to get onto the highway right near my house, and I get behind this car that's going 20 miles an hour. 
literally 20 miles an hour on the on-ramp going on the highway. And so I do what any good Christian would do, and I get right on her tail as close as I can. I just want to encourage her to go a little faster. Maybe she doesn't know there's other people in the world that need to get to work. So I get as close as I can, right next to her bumper. She gets up on the highway, and this highway for about a mile and a half is just one lane, so I'm stuck behind her even more. But she had the decency to speed all the way up to 50 miles an hour, so that was great. I drive 80, pray for me. <laughs> but as I got really close to her, I saw her singing and dancing, and then I'm fuming, and then I realized it was my neighbor. Ooh, I got convicted right there. I got convicted hard. Look, when you know the person on the road and think about it, you change your behavior. When you know that person, you change your behavior. When you know your savior, when you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, he changes your behavior and he changes your destination. Amen. We have to have a personal relationship. That's what we mean when we say personal relationship with him, know him. So, A, a slave to righteousness leads to God's will in your life. God's will in your life. If you're following your own will, it's going to lead to that emotional, that mortal, and that spiritual death. But what is God's will for your life? What does that look like? I talked about Judgment Day, right? On Judgment Day, we're all going to be hopefully the sheep that are waiting for our crowns, for our glories, for all the wonderful things that God has for us. But imagine this. Imagine you're standing on Judgment Day. You're waiting to receive the rewards that God has for you, and you get a tap on the shoulder. And you turn around, and a guy says to you, hey, my name's Paul. What's yours? I can hear myself echoing. Okay, I'll continue. All right, you get a tap on the shoulder, and you turn around, and a guy says, hey, my name's Paul. What's yours? And you go, Paul the Apostle? The guy who wrote most of this book? You mean, you mean the guy that, that, that used to uh, murder and, and, and crucify Christians, but God saved him, and he started all churches. He started to tell everybody around the known world. You mean the guy that was shipwrecked, the guy that was stoned, the guy that eventually died because he gave the gospel of Jesus Christ? And he says, yeah, you know my story. I said, yeah, that's an awesome story. And then he says, what's your story? Oh, well, you know. I went to church every day of my life, every Sunday of my life. I even, I even tied to the church. I even sometimes would volunteer to help them out at the church. That's it? That's all you did. Did you at least tell anybody about Jesus or what he did in your life? Ooh, that should hit some people. I'm going to challenge some people. The most important thing I want you to take, if you call yourself a Christian, the most important thing I want you to walk away with today is think about this. We just got off this campaign about praying for people to come to church. That's awesome. That's fantastic. We should never stop doing that. But when's the last time you had a conversation with somebody about Jesus? Get out of the comfortability of your skin. Have a conversation with somebody. If you believe it, you need to share it. Tell people what God's done. Romans 5 says, so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you believe that, tell people. If you believe that, you have the keys to set people free from slavery to sin and death. Tell people about Jesus. Woo, I'm preaching today. Point C, a slave to righteousness leads to true freedom. 
true freedom, free to walk in righteousness, free from emotional, physical, and spiritual death, freedom from hell, freedom from separation from God, only a child of God. We sang that same song. It's not just about being free from fear. You're free from everything else. God has that for you. Romans 8.2 says, and because you belonged to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. But here's the thing. If you're a Christian, the motivation matters. It matters that you do things because what was done for you. You don't do things to get. All the other religions do that. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, so I'll stop right there. But talking about judgment day, on judgment day, Jesus literally says that some of your deeds will be burnt up and cast out. Not all the good things that you do in his name, you know, are really gonna last forever. We're supposed to build up rewards in heaven, but it's from the attitude of gratitude that it will last. If it doesn't have that right attitude, then God's gonna wash those away as they never existed. So ask yourself, before you do good things, before you try, am I doing this to atone, to make right with God? Or am I doing it because he saved me and I want others to know about him? Mm. So what does it mean to be set free? Well, you're free to live a life that glorifies God. That's point A. Free to live a life that glorifies God. Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Give me one second here. COVID, COVID cloud in my brain. So we talk about a lot of sins at church, right? Uh, but most of all, we usually talk about sexual sin, or at least I do. And there's a reason for that. We barely ever talk about obesity or gluttony. We barely ever talk about lying or gossip or stealing. And those are all sins, serious sins. They separate us from God, right? And we're supposed to fall out of those. But the reason I talk about sexual slavery a lot is because as your director of pastoral care, I get young men in my office on a monthly basis that are stuck in the bondage of that sin. And to be honest with you, all those other things, drugs, alcohol, lying, stealing, which I was caught up in before I was saved, God was able to remove those pretty quickly in my life once I started following him. Sexual slavery, sexual bondage, that's a harder thing. And it's prevalent in the world today. And I've told this story before, but just to inspire, there are many ways that you can cut yourself off from that, but you have to get into community. You have to read the word every day and stand in the daily victories that you have. When you practice something, practice makes perfect, right? This is, this is the saying we think about, practice makes perfect. So when you practice reading the word of God, when you practice talking to your father in heaven, when you grow closer to Jesus, it's like driving the car, the closer you are to him, the less you wanna sin. You don't want him to see, me, see you doing that. You have to walk away from that. When I first got convicted of this, after I'd been a Christian for maybe a year or two, and I realized I, can, I need to lay this down, I can't do this anymore, I took my laptop, my computer, I brought it outside, and I grabbed a sledgehammer, and I destroyed that thing. Now, the reason I did that was a metaphor to, to tell myself how serious I was gonna get in this battle. 
right? So you don't have to do that. You don't have to destroy a $2,000 computer. I wouldn't recommend that. There are things that you can do. There are programs that you can use. But every time I touch on this base, I get a call from somebody. I get an email from somebody. Somebody is in my office. So I only say these things to encourage you, okay? God wants better things for you. But when we commit ourselves as followers of Christ to grow and mature in our faith, by reading and studying God's word each day and spending time in prayer with him, he will find, we will find ourselves more and more able to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit and resist sin. These daily victories over sin that we have in Christ will encourage you, they will strengthen you, and they will demonstrate in a powerful way that you are no longer a slave to sin, but instead a slave to God. Point B. And this is my favorite point. I came up with this last minute. I wrote this whole message pretty quickly, but this one I had to change. This is the one thing I want you guys to walk away with today. If you are a slave to righteousness, a slave to God, you are free to tell people what he did. You're free to tell people what he did. Glorify him. Tell people about him. Quick little story. Uh, since it was just Christmas time, 1988 give my age out a little bit. I got the Nintendo Entertainment System. Anyone remember that thing? You know, now it's Sony and Xbox. And with that Nintendo Entertainment System, I got the Power Pad. Anybody know what the Power Pad is? It kind of looked like, um, what are those, what are those uh, twister boards, you know, with the little pads on it? Well, what this is, is this is virtual reality before there was virtual reality. You put this pad on the floor, you plugged it into your Nintendo, and then you had this little avatar that would do what you did. It came with a track and field game, and I was running on it, jumping, running and jumping, and the little avatar is doing that, and I was having so much fun for about an hour. And then I thought to myself about my friend that lived down the street. His family didn't have much money. I was lucky enough to grow up with a middle-class family, so they got me this Nintendo system. But I was thinking about my friend and how cool it would be for him to come over and play with me. So I got myself dressed. It was Christmas morning. It was back when it used to snow and was cold on Christmas morning. And I wrapped myself up like Ralphie's little brother, and I started to walk all the way to my friend's house, which was about a half a mile, and I invited him to come over and play with me. And we did, we spent the whole rest of the day just running and running and playing. Why did I do that? Did I wanna show off what I got? No, I wanted to share the free gift that I got with somebody else. You need to tell somebody, Jesus said that if you love him, you will do what he says. If you love him, you will follow his commandments. Jesus literally commands you as a follower of him to tell people about him. Where does he do that? The last words that he said before he was taken up on the right-hand side of the Father. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Tell somebody about Jesus. Share, that's why I love these baptisms. Saw Connor's baptism up there just a little bit ago. Well, he came to this church six months ago because his friend Brent got baptized and saved and invited him. And he came because his friend Kristen got saved and baptized here about a year ago. This is how it works. This is how the gospel works. You gotta tell somebody about what Jesus did. We gotta further the kingdom people. 
All right, point C, final point here. You're free from the penalty, punishment, and power of sin. Look, you have been saved. In the past, that's called justification. That's Jesus dying on the cross for you. You are being saved. That's called sanctification. That's God working on you. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect yet, but we got to try and get better. And God is doing that in you. And then you will be saved from the presence of sin. And that's called communion with God. That's called heaven. That's a beautiful thing. Romans 8 says like this. There is, the, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law and the sin of death. When you're a slave of righteousness, you're free from the sin of eternal death. Mm. But it is. It's all about your motivation after coming to Christ. Yes, you're free from sin, free from death, free from the punishment of sin. But if we're slaves still to something as good as God, then we must follow him. We must do what he says. The only motivation that truly matters is gratitude. Truly appreciating what God has done by sending his son Jesus to literally die for you and take on your punishment, mine and yours. If you understand that, you can't do enough. If you truly understand that and have sincere gratitude, how can you not tell other people? If you're doing good things to try to make up with God, if you're doing good things trying to atone, then honestly, you might not have fully surrendered to Jesus. Jesus. When you identify in Adam and the law, you're trying to earn your way. But when you identify with grace and Christ, you just do because of the things that he's done for you. Look, some of you need to be set free from slavery to sin, Christian or not. There are people in your family, people at your work, teachers in your school, kids in your school that need to be set free. If you have the truth, if you have your testimony that God's giving you, you have the keys to set these people free. You need to tell them, mm, what would the world look like, honestly, if every Christian actually shared their faith? What would it look like? What would, what would New England look like if every Christian shared their faith? What would this church look like? I want this church this year. Last year, we saw record salvations. We saw record baptisms. That's great. I never want that to stop. But if every seat was filled because you people actually told people about the God that already died for them, that saved them, what would this church look like? Oh. One last story, and then I'm done. So I was hanging out with a Catholic friend of mine, and I only say Catholic because it matters to the story. And we were actually going to collect all the toys for the Providence Rescue Mission that people couldn't bring in. You guys were great. We filled that bin out there about five or six times for toys. And, uh, but there were a lot of people that just couldn't bring them in. So what we did, my friend and I decided we would drive around and pick them up. Well, we stopped by this one guy's house, and uh, as soon as I walked in that door, I knew that he was a Muslim. I could see all the stuff in there, and I just knew he was a Muslim. So I'm like, oh, great, Father God, please open up, open up a conversation here. I know that you want to go to work. I know you brought me here for a reason. And this guy was great. He actually filled my whole truck up with toys. I'd never seen some, one person give so many toys. So I asked him after that, I said, hey, what made you decide to uh, call us and donate all these toys? And he said, honestly, I'm trying to atone with my God, Allah. I'm trying to make up 
for all the things that I've done. I'm trying to earn my way into heaven. I'm trying to work my way. He literally said that. And I said, man, thank you for your honesty. When I ask most people, they just simply say, you know, well, it's the right thing to do. And half the time I believe them, half the time I don't. But after that conversation, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, I know a God that's already done everything for me. And all I have to do is receive him. I know you've heard of Jesus, but that's the real story of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for my sins and your sins. And all he wants you to do is receive him and then you can know, you can know. You don't have to work your way. You don't have to guess. You don't have to hope. You can know you're going to heaven. And, and, and after that conversation, I invited him to church and, and he, he thought about it for a minute. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll challenge you. You come to my mosque, I'll come to your church. I said, no. Thought I was gonna say yes there, huh? I said, no. He said, why, are you afraid to go to my mosque? I said, let me ask you this. If I told you I owned a five-star restaurant that served the best food from all around the world and I ate there every single day for free, and you told me you owned a greasy fast food restaurant that I knew wasn't good and was unhealthy for me. You think I should go? He said, I never thought about it like that. Maybe I'll come. I haven't seen him yet, but maybe he'll come. See, when you have conversations, God goes to work. But the story's not over. After that, I started to walk out with my Catholic friend. And he said, you know, I don't understand why you always feel a need to push your religion on somebody else. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, our priest told our congregation, if somebody is studying a religion, any religion, and they're doing good things, then just leave them alone. Don't bother them. I said, then your Catholic priest doesn't believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, and I told him this story, story in the story. I said, there was a retreat, a multi-international, multi-religious retreat, and there was a pastor there. And there were leaders there, uh, Jewish leaders, Hindu leaders, Buddhist leaders, and they were all talking about how much their religions had in common. They said their religions had more in common than not. But the Christian pastor said, you know the difference between what you teach everybody in your congregations and what I teach people in my congregation? He said, you see that mountain up there? Imagine God's up on that mountain. You teach people how to climb that mountain. You teach people how to work their way up that mountain so that they can get to God. But my God is the God that came down the mountain and pulled me back up. That's why we tell people. That's why it matters. Look, I'm not up here because I'm a great speaker, obviously. I'm not up here because I'm better than any of you. I'm up here because God lit a fire in me to tell people what he's done. And I want to light a fire in you to tell people. You're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of righteousness. And today I want to give you an opportunity to be set free.